Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're continuing with our walk through Acts, Colin, and uh, we've reached chapter three. And you were making the point towards the end of last week that the lifestyle that is described, where the fellowship of believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and having everything in common, that should be our lifestyle in the church today. And you say, I quote you, we've got used to experiencing church as we know it. Instead of as God intends church Mm. to be. And, uh, you know, some people say, well, we live in a different generation from uh, a different sort of time, different kind of society from uh, uh, New Testament times. But the principles of Scripture are the same today as they were then. God's word is eternal. And what you see in the Acts of the Apostles is the kind of church that the Holy Spirit was causing to emerge. And we've only got used to church as we know it because actually there's been so little evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity about what we do. You can be very, very religious without actually being spiritual. And what God needs in this day and age is a spiritual church, which means a revived church, not a church that's living in unreality, but people really living out the gospel. They're living in the holiness of God. You see the love Uh, within the church that will cause the world around to believe, which is what Jesus prayed for. So what we see emerging in the Acts of the the Apostles is the lifestyle that God intends. And we saw in chapter um, 2, verse 42, that they devoted themselves to being taught the word of God, to sharing their lives with one another in love, to be committed to breaking bread together. They didn't do that occasionally. They did it every day. They met together. They broke bread. They they were living in the constant awareness of the cross and of the meaning of the cross and all that Jesus had accomplished on the cross because when we break bread, when we take communion, we're setting forth the death of the Lord till he comes again. And, of course, they devoted themselves to prayer. And wherever you see a church that is living in true revival, not just a move of the Spirit, but true revival, then you see these marks. You see all these things happening. Um, There's just a restoration of New Testament-style life. That's the only way you can put it. But, of course, it is very, very um, contemporary in its expression and in the impact that it has upon the society around so we we move into chapter 3 now which introduces us to uh what was happening uh in if you like the day-to-day life and it focuses on one particular incident but uh, if you remember in John's gospel he selects just a few incidents from the life of Jesus but then records what that led to, what came out of that incident. Because, of course, many, many things were happening in Jesus' ministry that weren't recorded, and many, many other miracles and wonders would have been happening in the New Testament church. They can't all be recorded. But sometimes something happened that did cause a major stir, but out of that there are very important things to learn. And so we have some important lessons to learn from this healing that was performed 
through Peter and John. Of course, Peter and John didn't do the healing. Jesus did the healing, but Peter and John were the instruments at this time. So let's read from the beginning of chapter 3. One day Peter and John went to the temple for the afternoon time of prayer at 3 o'clock. At the entrance to the temple, called the Beautiful Gate, was a man who had been crippled from birth. He was carried there every day to beg for money from those entering the temple courts. So when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Both looked directly at him, and Peter said, Look us in the eye. The man did so, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said to him, I don't have any silver or gold to give you, but what I do have I give you now. Walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He took the man by the right hand and began to pull him to his feet. Immediately his ankles were healed and were made strong. He jumped up and began to walk. Then he went with Peter and John into the temple courts, walking freely and jumping about, praising God as he did so. When all the people saw the way he walked and heard his shouts of praise, they recognized him as the one who used to beg for money at the beautiful gate. They were amazed and filled with awe because of what had happened to him. Right, now let's pause there and see what we can learn from this first part of this incident. Uh, this was a cripple, a beggar, who was laid every day at the beautiful gate. So Jesus would have passed him many times uh, on his way into the temple. These apostles would have passed him uh, on previous occasions. So what was different about this? Well, now the these two disciples, these two apostles, Peter and John, are filled with the Holy Spirit. So presumably, something within them, the Spirit within them, sort of rose up at this particular time. And they just knew that they had the authority and the power to heal this man in the name of Jesus. Now, they get the man to look at him. So he looks at them and he's expectant. He's expecting to receive, but of course he's, he thinks he's going to receive money, not his healing. And Peter makes this statement, look, I don't have money to give you, but what I do have, I give you now. Now, what did he have? He had the authority to heal, and he had the power to heal in the name of Jesus. So he exercises that walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, what is going on here? Well, in the first two chapters, we've heard about uh, the end of the resurrection appearances. Jesus has returned to heaven, and now the disciples have received the Holy Spirit. Uh, 3,000 were converted on that on that day the church has begun to be established the church is continuing the ministry of Jesus in the world which is exactly what the church is called to do so here these two apostles are simply continuing what Jesus was doing when he was on the earth they are acting in his name 
Now, when you do something in the name of someone, you don't just use their name; you're doing it on their behalf. So this is tantamount to Jesus Himself doing it.、Uh, he had sent them out in His name, you see. So he had given them his power and his authority to continue his ministry here on earth. So this is what they were doing. However, Jesus, you remember, never acted in independence of the Father. He did only the things he saw his Father doing. And what these disciples are learning is never to act in independence of the Holy Spirit. So, if they tried to heal this. Beggar on the previous day, it wouldn't have worked. Somehow, the Spirit of God would have risen up within them on this day, and therefore the healing just happened. I say automatically, but very easily, because it's God Himself that is doing it. Peter and John cannot, by their own power, heal anybody, but the power of the Spirit operating in response to their obedience. In response to their faith, because faith is expressed in obeying what the Spirit is telling them to do, then this healing takes place. Interesting, though, that the beggar didn't ask for healing; he was just begging. No, he was just. But it's what was happening in the、uh, in, in the disciples. I mean, I've I've known many non-believers to be healed, but I wouldn't pray for every non-believer to be healed without sensing. That I was responding to what the Holy Spirit was telling me to do. I mean, I've been in a situation where somebody was was、uh, you know in a critical condition, and、uh, somebody who was a God hater. He absolutely hated God, and I was asked to go and see this man by a relative, and I sat by his bedside, and for an hour I listened to a whole tirade of abuse. Uh, against God, against the Church, and against、uh, ministers of the gospel in particular. And as I was listening to this, I mean, I literally couldn't get a word in for a whole hour. It was just a tirade of abuse. This man was getting all the anger, frustration, whatever else was in him. He was pouring it all out. And as he was speaking, I was saying to the Lord, "Lord, what am I to do in response to this?" And the Holy Spirit simply said to me. Heal him. Now you cannot imagine a more unlikely situation. So when he finally stopped, I said to him, "I can see that you don't believe, but I do. Would you let me pray for you?" And actually, tears ran up in his eyes because I don't think he could believe that he could be so rude, and somebody could actually want to pray for him. So he sort of said, "Well, you can if you want to." I went back to see him three or four days later, and、um, all around his bed in the hospital were a whole group of doctors, and it was a bit embarrassing because he saw me come into the ward, and he shouted out, "He said, 'I'm a fraud. These doctors can't find anything wrong with me, and they won't let me go home.'" So. <laughs> I mean, that was the kind of situation you see. You would say, "Well, there's no way that that was the right time," except God said. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 